Welcome to your local Christian podcast, where a couple of casual theologians talk about the Word and the world. Please lend us your ears and we will do our best to avoid heresy. I'm Zach. I'm Andrew. And this is Just a Christian Podcast. Zach, how are you doing, man? I'm good. Just off of work, as usual. Um, tired, but not too tired. Uh, just started a, a new little business venture with my wife, which I'm happy What's about. What's that? I'm super excited. Well, it was totally her idea, uh, and it was totally her way of getting me to buy her a car. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, we we did some research and we looked for a good deal on a bigger vehicle, you know, kind of like a crossover SUV type vehicle. And in order to get ourselves fully justified into buying this vehicle, we found a good deal on a good car and now we're going to rent it out to pay for that car. So we're going to use an app and then we're going to rent it out. Wow. That's a crazy good idea. Yeah. Hopefully. I didn't know you could even do that. It's like getting property and renting it. That's what you just did. Yeah. So it may end up working out or (laughs) the car might explode and we could just, you know, who knows, (laughs) but I'm happy about it. Wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Most of my thoughts have been, you know, you're just always finding ways to, I don't know, invest in some, in some sense. I think it's fun. Yeah. Diversify your Assets, is that the term that people use? For Diversify sure. Diversify your assets? Yeah, yeah. and it, it's, yeah. you know, in, in essence, n- right now we have a low amount of responsibility and excess money coming in, excess income. Mm. And so in order to not be wasteful with those things, we're just, mm-hmm. you know, trying to trying to be yeah. Stewards. good about it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, want, we want our future selves, our future family, and of course the church to benefit from us just being yeah, good at, I think that's you know, really responsible. Yeah. I think there's a lot of scripture, even parables that talk about being smart with your money, mm-hmm. money that we would acknowledge as something given to us as a blessing from God. So being smart and diligent and wise with that is a good thing. And that's probably why it's talked about so much. Yeah. Yeah. So, in, sure. so in two years or less, all of our listeners will find out whether we were Successful. Successful. In, in all of your diverse or, yeah, options. Or unsuccessful. <laughs> yeah, we'll that's see. awesome. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> that's cool. Um, so today we are just getting into some more would controversial be the uh the right word for, for this subject? Yeah, I think it's controversial because they are hard questions to answer they're also very common in our experience like as bay area christians um with friends and like who care about people mm-hmm. i think it's it's controversial in that sense right like some people might disagree with us and we might actually have to talk to them about it at some point yeah. soon <laughs> yeah yeah that's so true yeah these in fact okay so we're talking about um well i'm I'm mapping out sort of six ways to deconstruct your faith. Um, You've probably heard, um, perhaps even more recently than ever, um, the term deconstruction, uh, particularly in the context of um, Christian faith. So Christians going through deconstruction, rebuilding, reconstructing a faith, 
that would seem out of line with orthodox Christianity. Mm-hmm. So, so this is this this process of deconstruction is um, never used. That term is never used to describe someone going from sort of an unorthodox Christian faith to an orthodox approach of the Christian faith. It's never actually that way. It's only going one way. So just as a point of clarification, um, but you've probably heard it. You've probably heard people talk about this or, or you've read it. It is very common right now. And for me personally, I'm, I'm seeing it more from people that I know, I said personally, like on a personal level, people that I know on a personal level, probably in the last two years, seeing it more than ever just one after another and whether or not they're outspokenly deconstructing um, their faith there are many signs or ways uh, that that this is going on and to be clear that's not me um, ascribing something to someone as like judgment this is this is me rehashing what is already being said in an outspoken right. manner right. just just to be clear these it's a <laughs> this isn't like a hey i have a friend <laughs> and he told me in secret that he's having this worldview belief and now i'm gonna do a podcast on yeah, it yeah. um that's not what this is this is this is um you know this is responding to what is happening all the time and really all around me yeah um comment well, on social media yeah, so close, close to us and far close, from us right yeah like, right and i and i think it's important to say that we do have an actual an attitude towards deconstructionism we also have an attitude towards people who are deconstructing their faith and and that is not an attitude of hatred but when it comes to deconstructionism if i were to just like put that into a category of um something that is happening, something that people are doing en masse, I do not think that it is well-founded mm-hmm. in, in its motivations. Um, I don't think that it is well-founded in its direction. I think that it's something that is dangerous to the, to the heart. It's mm-hmm. dangerous to, I mean, to the spirit. It's dangerous in a way that could be damning and you could feel really good about where you end up mm. uh, in life while yeah. while giving up something that is much greater. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in the same sentence, I want to say, towards people who are in the process of deconstructing, I understand that, that you have questions, and what we're going to talk about today is you might hear me responding a lot and saying, hey, that's a really valid question, mm. but it's important to know that your motivations are always in line with, with who God is and who he says he is and not in line with who I want God to be and, and who God is and how I've made him up in my own mind. So I must find a way to close the dissonance between what I see in reality and who God is that I, that I believe he is. God is who he is. Yeah, so that, it's important to that even kind of just takes me back to the start of the previous episode. I want to say it's the previous episode we talked about. It was our it was our like it's kind of an introductory conversation to a mega subject called free will, but we started off by just um by just going over a couple scriptures that just talk about how much higher God is. 
His thoughts are not like our thoughts and his ways higher than our ways. And because of that, because of God being, he's, he's not like us. He's, he's so much greater than we are. When we, when we recognize that, it can kind of make sense. Like, oh, okay, well, I guess, I guess it makes sense to ask questions. Like it really does. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's just kind of, I'm just kind of piggybacking off what you said. Yeah. Zach. Like these are, a lot of these are valid, like reasonable. And we actually, we hope that we demonstrate on this podcast that we're like, we're not a, we're not afraid, hopefully to ask hard questions and right. to deal with difficult subjects right. and to think um, critically, yeah. think critically about God and his word and his character and reality and culture and all these things. Yeah. And I, and I'm not completed with the construction of my faith either. Yeah. You know, I am founded on Christ and I will not Mm -hmm. remove myself from that foundation, but he's still building me as well. You know, we all are going through a process of uh, conforming, uh, or, not conforming <laughs> yeah, right. to him. And yeah. so this is, this is just the, the attitude that I want to take. You know, I, I care about all of you, regardless of where you are in, uh, your walk with Christ. And I care so much that I would advise you in certain ways and, and comfort you in certain ways. And also just talk about what we're talking about today. Yeah. Well said, Zach. I love, love that you can hear your your heart in that way. So let's, let's get into, let's get into the six ways to deconstruct your faith. So number one would be, um, well, I think it would start, it often starts this way. You're taught about thinking critically. Now here's the thing we, we just talked, we actually just said that we, we hope we think critically, right? We would, we would hope to be able to do so. Yeah. I think it's in the, very important. In the context of deconstructing your faith, I think this, this generally means instead of maintaining orthodox views, consider the alternatives. Do not simply accept the common answer. Now, there's actually little wrong with that. I phrase that in a way to where I actually, I think there's nothing wrong with just simply, this is what I was told, so this is, this is what it's got to be. I don't think that's thinking critically. The flaw that comes about in this, though, is oftentimes the urge to think critically comes from someone else's presupposition about the Christian faith and the worldview. So maybe an exposure to another worldview uh, that you haven't encountered before. Right. Maybe uh, a friend of yours Mm -hmm. who you really think is awesome and even wise. Yeah. But has different presuppositions, different uh-huh. underlying philosophies on how they are acting or living out their life. So if someone's consulting you or encouraging you to think critically, but the ends, the goal at, at hand is not to determine whether or not the worldview that you hold is consistent with that which is demonstrated in reality that which is good, that which is logical, true, etc. That that should be the end goal. If the end goal is embrace something else, that's actually no longer thinking critically. That's simply 
what conversion, uh, an attempt at converting someone to a different belief system. So indoctrination could be, mm-hmm. could be uh, another term there. So there's, yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. So usually starts there rather than honestly thinking critically. A lot of times you can be prompted mm-hmm. to think, simply think differently. Yeah. And Christianity has presuppositions. Is that true? Absolutely. Yes. Right. We, we would just also affirm that every worldview has a presupposition. Our presupposition is that Christ has spoken. We, we, our epistemology even would be, well, we, we simply know what we know because Christ has revealed it to us. God, at least, has, has revealed these things. He's, he's spoken, whereas really what it boils down to in, in all epistemology, when, when, when you think about why do we know what we know, well, it's actually going to come back to there is a source. There's an arbiter, in a sense, mm-hmm. um, in any worldview that says, well, this being says so. Or it's me. Mm-hmm. It could be me. Yeah. Well, my eyes tell me this. My senses tell me this. Or what? Professor says this. And I believe that. It's going to come back to some sort of someone is the arbiter of truth and your objective grounds that you stand on. For us, we stand on God said. For someone else, they are going to determine something else someone else said. Right. right. Yeah, and I think that one of, the, one of the things that just stands out to me in thinking critically and in action of doing so is that thinking critically, as we've said, is not bad. It's not wrong to attempt to expose some of the deeper things in, uh, you know, and some of the deeper answers in whatever it is that you have questions about. However, what we should all understand is that thinking critically does more exposition. It exposes more of our motivations and our heart than it does the subjects that we're actually going, diving into, right? And so that's a, that's, you know, as I'm just thinking right now, that's, I think, why James says, tests yourself to see if you are in the faith. Because we're supposed to do that, mm. and we're supposed to expose those things, those doubts in us, that guilt in us, or the shame, or the things that we are attempting to hide from God, but will not stay hidden forever. Thinking critically does do that for you. However, in being exposed, we should not crawl back to the darkness. <laughs> we should not run away from who God is when he's, when he's exposed us to his true character, his justice, his standard for perfection, his holiness. In fact, we should run towards that. When we think critically and it exposes the dark parts of ourselves, we should be attempting to conform to God's will and not just trying to skirt around, trying to trying to find a way outside of the boundary of who he is, right? I think you just hashed out really the heart and purpose of why we're even going through this in the first place, Zach. Is your hope to conform to the will of God, what God has said, or to maneuver a way around maybe the what he has revealed mm-hmm. about his holiness and his justice and just sometimes even his demands, because it requires submission. The faith requires submission. Mm-hmm. There's no Christian would, would honestly be able to say otherwise. 
um, we are submitting to Christ. That's, that's the idea of taking up your cross. It costs you something, but yeah, that's the heart here. I think that summarizes that mm-hmm. one. I think we can, we can yeah. probably move forward there. So number two. Ways uh, to deconstruct. Yeah, ways to deconstruct. Number two, experience or witness great evil. Now, I think this one we'll probably spend a little bit less time on just because it could turn into an entire conversation in itself, maybe like a whole problem of evil conversation or something. But oftentimes you're faced with great evil in the world. And how does this evil align with my beliefs in a loving God? There's a sort of crossroads that you have to, you you almost have to choose like, well, okay, okay. Is God all powerful or is God all loving in a sense? Like choose, choose one because like we've heard it explained this probably. Maybe you've heard it explained this way. If God is all loving, then he can't truly be all powerful. And if yeah. God is all powerful, then he can't truly be all loving because of what I see, yeah. because of because of what I've experienced, mm-hmm. what humans have experienced forever, which is there's evil in the world. Right. So it's one or the other. He, he can't be both those things, but there still be evil. Yeah. And this is probably an avenue for many people to set aside the faith that they grew up in, to set aside the traditions of the church and and to set aside even the Bible itself, that they would experience something in the world that was so evil or, or witness something that was so dark and, and terrifying that they would say, how could all of these things have an answer for me? Yeah, and... And to be fair, this this is a good enough question. It's valid enough mm-hmm. that every generation asks it. Right. And like really probably every person. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, if you yeah. were on the street and you yeah. asked 10 people who were walking by uh, who, you know, out of these 10 people, nine of them were totally not Christians, I think a few of them might say to you, because how could God allow something like this right. to happen? Yes. So it's it's super valid. This is this is a frequent reality that has to be confronted and often is play, plays a role in the deconstruction process. Now, for someone clinging to an orthodox view of Christianity, um, so clinging to orthodox faith, there's a lot of answers that you could give to that sort of thing. And for the purpose of this conversation, one answer that I would just throw out here, I don't I don't know that it would be my, if I had to choose one, but for the purpose simply of this podcast, I would say we cling to the promises of God, which are, which include that God, well, God is powerful and God is loving. And because of those two things, he never fails. He doesn't fail. He is he is the word dead set. That might be the wrong word to use with God. But anyways, yeah. he's he's determined to accomplish all of his purposes. There is not one that will be thwarted or frustrated. Not, not one plan and purpose of God will um, fail to come to pass. He has declared the end from the beginning, and he's doing everything that he does for the good of his bride, his people, his church, those who love God, who love Christ, for his people, he's doing it for them, their good, 
and for his own glorification. It is to glorify Christ, to make Christ's name great. He is very jealous of his name and the greatness of his name. He will accomplish those things, and that's what we cling to when we see evil happen in the world. We say, wow, only a good and loving and powerful God could powerfully somehow turn this into good and redemptive and wonderful. Um, that's we believe in a God of re- of redemption, um, yeah. and so so that right. that's it, that's the probably yeah. the short answer. Well, and it's not just that that answer is good enough for me. It's that God is is good enough. I've experienced His goodness, and I've seen how He answers His people, how He promises, and how He comes through every time. It's not. I'm not just saying. Well, that answer is good enough for me because there are plenty of people who would say, well, that answer is not good enough for me. I'm saying, no, I'm looking at God and I'm assessing him and his character and how honest he is and how powerful he is he, and how good he is. He is both good enough for me to trust and also powerful enough for me to trust that he can do it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that what he says he's going to do. Yeah. So. Yeah, well said. Well said. I love that. So number three, Mm -hmm. ways to deconstruct your faith. Number three, experience an unanswered prayer or reason to doubt God in your life's circumstances. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is, I think this is uh, something every believer deals with, honestly. I've yet to meet a Christian that's had every one of their prayers answered or at least given the answer that they were desiring. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it's an answer and the answer is no. That's an answer. That's a legitimate answer. Yeah. But yeah, so you know, you believed that maybe this was God's will for my life, and then that thing changed, and you're like, wait, oh, that's tricky. I was, I, I was certain. I just I really believed that that was what I was supposed to do or whatever, mm-hmm. and now I'm not doing that thing or, or something like that, right? So, so these could be reasons to doubt uh you know it's it's circumstantial it's 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 something like that and i'll let me i'm not gonna use like a i don't know like well here's what the bible says about that i want to appeal here to just something more personal something more subjective just to share a little bit for for me i guess the way that i would empathize here or or relate or I don't know, having a hard time finding the right word, but when I'm praying, earnestly praying, I mean, I'm, it's often in the middle of that very prayer where I'm confused or frustrated or um, I'm, I'm hurting because of something for, you know, I, it does feel like a prayer is unanswered or I do have a reason to doubt God. What's tended to happen is in those moments those moments of that very prayer, within that time of prayer, there's almost a, a change in the perspective. You, there's, a, there's almost a realization like, oh my gosh, how could I see things so humanly? Like, how could, I did it again. I'm such a, just so human in my perspective, in my thinking, in my idea of how this could be good for me or something like that. And it, it kind of hurts. There's a sense where it hurts, like, like I almost feel remorse for that, mm-hmm. for thinking so 
so lowly. Again, your ways are not like my ways, right? Your, 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 your thoughts not like my thoughts. You're so much higher than me kind of a thing. And, and I almost feel like woe is me in a sense, like, oh, wretched man that I am. And yet at the same time, those are the sweetest moments of prayer. Those are the sweetest times of just like acknowledging and being reminded of God and his holiness and his yeah. goodness and his love for me. Those are, those can be faith building moments. Yeah. They don't have to be faith destructive moments. Yeah. Um, or deconstructive moments. Uh, yeah. So that, that was kind of my attempt at, at relating to this yeah. type of thing. And I think that that's important, you know, because there are many of us who don't pray enough. And probably because we're not praying enough, we're not experiencing the the fulfillment of those prayers over the course of time, the way that God desires to answer those prayers and building our theology and our experience of prayer well enough to j- just see God's character shine through because he does. I think he always answers prayer and he doesn't answer us the way that we want him to. And the more you see how good he is and the more you trust him, the more that becomes cherished. It's like, man, I'm so glad that you saw this in a way that was better than the way I saw this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because, and, and even the process of prayer itself, I think, becoming a person who's more prayerful, uh, you start to see yourself change and you are changed by prayer. You never change God's mind. He always changes your perspective. He always changes your mind. Yes. Uh, yes. That is my, my goal in my prayer life is to continue to be yeah. moved and, and brought closer to an understanding of how he wants to work. Yeah. Because his plan is, you know, he's been around for longer than me and he will remain <laughs> mm-hmm. for longer than I do, mm-hmm. you know, here on, in the planetary view of things. And it's hard to not get what you want. And some things you want, no one would complain about or say they were a bad thing to want. Some people have sick family members that they want mm-hmm. to be healed. Mm-hmm. And some people have extremely hard circumstances mm-hmm. in their life that they want God to reach in and change. But the the encouragement for me is the more you lean into him, the more you will find that he answers everything right. He answers yeah. everything perfectly. And, and a quick two-minute side tangent here. How would you, before we move to number four, Zach, how would you respond to the Christian who says, like, well, I feel like I've never had my prayer answered because I've never, I've never heard God answer me. Mm. I've never heard his answer, meaning like in an audible yeah. sense even. Yeah, I um, would say me neither. I mean, uh, I honestly, and this is going to sound really weird and stupid. I, I think that I have heard God's audible voice before, but I have no idea what he said. I can't remember it at all. Mm. Like you would think that that would be the most impactful moment mm. of my life that I saw the heavens <laughs> open and that I heard this booming voice. No, I, I, I can't remember even mm. what he said. Wow. But I will say that he's answered thousands of other prayers mm. in ways that are conceivable to me, but not audible. Yeah. And it's, it's good 
that he doesn't always yell at me. Yeah. Uh, you know yeah, what totally. his answer is. It's actually much better that I can see it in like first King says the, the still small voice, mm-hmm. the, the gentle whisper of a voice, right? Those things that, that we get to see when God answers us in an unexpected way. That is, it's to me, it's better. <laughs> That's, that was fantastic. Yeah. Think that man, that was a valuable two minute tangent. Um, yeah. <laughs> that really was though. That was great. Mm-hmm. Okay, number four, ways to deconstruct your faith. Number four, add a spark to the dry kindling. What does that mean? I would hash it out in this way. So add a spark to the dry kindling. Surround yourselves with other people who aren't believing in the word of God. Asking good questions, yes, of course. Like, why is it, why is only Christianity the, like the true faith or whatever, the, the right religion. Why is the Bible correct, but not what the Quran, mm. um, book of Mormon, etc. just fill in the blank. Good questions that I think aren't for the purpose of seeking God's answer. Mm. So, yeah. So, so someone that says to themselves, I'm feeling a bit dry in my faith. And they say, I need to seek out a challenge to my faith in order to relight the fire. Uh, I need to go and, and hang out with my friends that, that live a totally different lifestyle than me in order to really see the value in, in, you know, this Christian thing. Yeah. It could even be a mentor or a teacher that you really respect. It could be a, a group of friends. I, I think we're often drawn to, and this is huge human and nothing. I don't think there's anything actually wrong with this, but we're drawn to people who can empathize with us. They, they can relate. So, so you might be drawn to someone who's having the exact same questions as you. Well, why, why only the, why is only the Bible true? Like why, Mm -hmm. why is that the word of God? Mm -hmm. Um, why, why is Jesus the only way to heaven during this process though? I think and this is step four, way to deconstruct your faith, distance yourself from the church. In process of surrounding yourselves with like-minded people, man, you gotta, I would say, I would be saying, man, you can't be distancing yourself from the church while you do that, though. If anything, you gotta, you gotta lean in harder. How about, how about this? And I think wisdom would say this. When you have those questions, maybe get an answer from someone who isn't still asking the same question. Yeah. Why would you seek answers from people who are still asking the exact same question as you? What about someone who's been on the other side of that season? Right? And maybe that's yeah. not to say they have, I have the answer. Mm-hmm. I have the very word of God. Although I do think <laughs> that the Bible answers those questions, but, um, <laughs> but how about someone who's, who's been through the thing that you're going through, which is real, which is valid, which I've been through. I've asked those questions. Mm-hmm. I think it's legitimate. 
I think it's good to ask these hard questions. Yeah. It, to me, receiving those answers, that comfort, the promises. Oh man, that's yeah. that's why. That's that's why I have as much faith as I can have now because the Lord has built that faith through tough questions being answered. And yeah. so, You're saying um, perhaps the follow up question is, who do I know? who has greater faith in Christ after answering that question. Let me go ask them <laughs> how they got to where they are. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes, I think that would be my um that would probably be my encouragement, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, we'll move, we'll move on yeah. here to number 5. Here is number 5. Many times there's a relationship involved. So ways to deconstruct your faith. A lot of times there's a relationship involved. So so someone you're close with is, you know, thinking differently than, than you do or, or, or thinks has a different worldview than you do. And in order to maintain the pleasure in that relationship, you compromise. You've got to compromise. Someone's got to compromise. And in sometimes these are dating relationships. A lot of these compromises will actually be or at least start as a sexual compromise. So you're compromising on your moral, your, your morality, your beliefs uh, regarding sexuality. This is, this is common. This is something that I'm, I'm not just, I'm not making these things up by the way. Like I'm, I'm not just like, uh, in case you're wondering, I'm not just like, here's some things that probably happen. Um, These are, these are, um, these are me kind of noting and and responding to things that these aren't my accounts on what's happened. These are other people's firsthand accounts Mm -hmm. and uh, we're going through it together. So just, just to be clear on that. So a lot of, a lot of times, yeah. So you compromise sexually in, in that relationship, but it's, it's not only, it's not only a dating relationship. It could be a really close friend. Um, You spend so much time with that friend. You really enjoy them. You really enjoy that person. It's a, good friendship but someone someone's going to compromise someone's worldview is going to be influenced by the others and oftentimes in uh when when in the process of deconstruction especially if you're already yeah. in process boy it's real easy to yeah. compromise the orthodox view of your yeah especially if you're the if you are the person in that relationship who has more boundaries it's easier to compromise them because there's just more of them to compromise. Yeah, right. Yeah, simply put, that's mm-hmm. that's yeah, that's exactly it. Now, here's a here's a question I would ask you, Zach. Um, should we only date people who think exactly like us? No, of course not. <laughs> I would not be married to my wife <laughs> if that were the case. Um, there, there were foundational qualities in our relationship with God. And I say that because that is the foundation of who I am. My relationship with God actually informs every other thing that I believe, every other thing that I act upon. The The core of who I am um, was aligned with the core of who my wife is, right? So she would say the same thing about her relationship with God. There was not there was not a difference between us in that sense, but definitely she looks at the world in different ways than I do. She looks at people in different ways than I yeah. do, and she cares for different things mm-hmm. uh, in a different level of priority than I do. You know, outside of that core foundational 
truth that we both hold to, there was a lot of benefit in gaining from her her view of the world. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways that I've changed completely mm-hmm. uh, the way that I walk about or the way that I speak to people or, you know, because she's different f- from me. So I, I love that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I do think that it's valid to, to seek out someone who has different thoughts than you. But if the foundation is not the same, then you, you're going to be constantly pulling against each other. And as you've been lining out, most times there's going to be a compromise in the direction that you, that you are not prepared for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Thanks for answering that mm-hmm. question, Zach. Yeah. All right, guys. Number six, ways to deconstruct your faith. This is the last one I, I, uh, this is, this is the last one I, I put yeah. together. And there's there are more. more. Yeah. There are many more. Some of these you could split and break break down further. Of, of like, there's there's things within maybe say number three or something like mm-hmm. that. And it's like, well, you could probably make two or three reasons out of that one reason. Yeah. That's the case. I'm trying to keep this simple. So mm-hmm. number six, start to accept your unbelief. Reject orthodoxy in preference to the cultural good. Label it progress. Call God a bigger God, perhaps in favor of maybe your own personal sin. Mm-hmm. So yeah, start to accept your unbelief. What I mean by accept your unbelief, I mean, um, I, I think I talked about justifying your, maybe I haven't mentioned this yet, but I think what's easy to do is sort of, you know, as Christians, we we experience this even when we're not going through deconstruction, right? We we justify all the time sins that we're guilty of in order to maintain like the comfort of not being guilty. And uh, what happens in deconstruction is now in order to avoid guilt in its entirety, how about we just accept, accept the very thing that an an orthodox view would reject, but label it something else. So, So maybe in the name of progress, and, and I think you know what I'm talking about here. I'm not trying to be code. It could be um, right now we live in a, a very aff- like affirming era in Christendom mm-hmm. regarding sexual immorality. So, yeah. so what the Bible would call sexually immoral, we are very affirming towards in, in the church at large, at least in, in America and in Western culture, um, very affirming of it at least in comparison to Christianity and history. Mm-hmm. So so at this point in time, very affirming on a lot of these things. Um, yeah, yeah so, it's probably a major, if not the major, um, area of dispute when it comes to someone saying the Bible says and someone saying, but I think God is like this. Yeah, yes, well put, yes. Mm-hmm. But in, what, in our time, at least. Yeah, in our, yes, mm-hmm. exactly. What often happens is, um, in the name of progress, we we embrace this thing that would be unorthodox. So, um, and and a lot of times it's it looks like, like well, hey, God, God's a bigger God. But I've been I've been thinking about that a lot. I've actually I I mentioned that a lot of this has come about 
from um, not just like seeing, not just seeing it happen in mainstream, like from mainstream Christians, like like people, Christians with a platform. I mean, I'm seeing it on a personal level, like people that I know at at some level personally. I've seen things, I'm hearing things like, you know, we can't put God in a box or, or we, we serve a bigger God. And I've been thinking about this, that like every time that I've heard, every time I've heard someone make an appeal not to put God in a box or that God is bigger than we like him to be, right? It's always been in order to fit God into some other box. Yeah. It's in an effort to fit God into yeah. some other some, some other thing, like make God fit into this idea that we like so that we can feel good. And, and that's despite it not lining up with what Scripture says about God. Orthodoxy, I've used this word a lot, orthodox, orthodox, right. orthodox. Orthodoxy is not an attempt to fit God into a box or a guardrail to guardrail God's character, his nature, according how we according to how we want God to be. Orthodoxy boxes us in. Orthodoxy doesn't box in God, it boxes us in. It guardrails our ideas about God to keep our ideas in lockstep with who God has revealed himself to be. Mm-hmm. We're not putting God in a box. We're putting ourselves in a yeah. box because it is far too easy for us to wander. You ever heard the song, uh, Come Thou Fount? It's the, that old hymn. Prone to yeah. wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone yeah. to leave the God I love. Right. Man, that's why we have that's why we have doctrine and orthodoxy, and that's why we have the, the church to build each other up and to exhort each other to faith. Mm-hmm. It's because it is easy for us to wander. It is so easy, and we will even put labels on it to make it easier. We'll call it progress. We'll call it, well, no, 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 no. I'm just serving a bigger God. Yeah. But it's, orthodoxy exists for, for our benefit, not to benefit God. God doesn't right. need orthodoxy. We're just, yeah. we're just staying true to what God has said about himself, not what we say about him. Of course, and, and that's why God describes himself as changeless as you know he says am i a man that i that i would change am i am i some kind of human being that i would lie to you about who i am or you know you us god is saying you are the ones who are prone to wander away from me you need the guardrails i don't need the guardrails i am who i am and and attempting to to say well god is just but he also allows these things that's saying god is only just to a point he is not always just he's just this time uh he's but he's not just when he allows these things to say that god is loving all the time always to every person is to say well god can't choose what he wants to do when he's loving. He just has to be my idea mm-hmm. of what loving yes, is. Right. Based but, on my definition of love. Based yes. on my definition yeah. of love. And 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 we're always attempting to do that. That is not a particular class of people's problem. Mm-hmm. That's all of our problem. And I like what you said and I think that, you know, it's worth saying again that oftentimes 
this is caused by our shame, you know, that, that there's somewhere in our life that we are falling short of who we knew, know God wants us to be. But instead of turning to him and say, help me, I, I can't do this on my own. We say, God, join me over here. Come, come, come to my area, come to my neck of the woods, because it's just too painful for me to accept that I've done this thing or that I am this kind of person. And I, I need, I need you to come over here and accept me because I don't have it in me to turn towards you. Yeah. That's a, maybe that's harsh. Maybe that's hard, but Hey, I've, I've felt that way and I've had to correct. I've had to allow God to correct me before. Mm -hmm. Um, there's many, many times that I've felt that way. And if our shame is the kind of thing that keeps us from accepting who God wants us to be and, and, and how God wants us to act, then, then we're missing the entire point of the cross. We're missing the entire point of, <laughs> of all of the things that God has done to prove to us that he's worth turning towards, right? Yeah. Yeah, those are, those are just some thoughts based mm-hmm. on, you know, mm-hmm. how, how, you're, how we're explaining this orthodoxy question, but also this difficulty that many people are experiencing nowadays in attempting to, to justify their unbelief and to justify their, their straying from from what God is laying out. Yeah, and and you said um, in response to the first way, the mm-hmm. first way, you had touched on what what I th- I think I had mentioned. I think was really kind of the heart of this episode, which was you can find a way to like slip around or or maneuver around what God has revealed about his his justice, his 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 holiness, his character etc kind of to 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 make it fit into um maybe it's a more culturally appropriate view of of god or something like that more fitting more comfortable or something or or you can submit you can submit to what god says about him and you know mention that hey man like you know you got to pick up your cross kind of thing we we die to ourselves, and that that's not easy that does cost us something and I want to, I'm, I'm just going to read this, this passage here. It's Romans 9, chapter 19. I'm going to read through verse 20, or sorry, chapter 9, verse 19. I'm going to read through 24 here. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but from also the Gentiles. That that section of scripture, those, what is that, five verses alone, has caused me more like internal turmoil in in my my thinking, in my theology, 
in my emotion, it has created so, it has caused me to think so much more than maybe, maybe any other section of verses that I've had to deal with because I had to submit to something that I didn't like. I didn't like it. I had to submit to it, and it was hard, and it took a long time. And, and I'm saying that, I'm not, I'm not saying it like, aren't I cool? But that's, I, hope, I hope that's not my tone here. I hope that's not what's being communicated. I'm saying that... Um, you're saying that you're, you're proud of where you have landed after having submitted. You're saying it's a, it was a good thing for you. I'm saying, yes, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's built my faith mm-hmm to submit to something that I thought would be faith crushing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's made me, it's made me see and experience the grace of God in a way that I thought would diminish and take from the grace of God. It's, it's built me up, but it was hard to do. It was hard to do, but it turns out that that was actually better. And that submitting to God even when my own self, my own brain, what I think, what I would choose, if Andrew was in control, Andrew would not write that. Mm-hmm. Andrew wouldn't say, well, what if God? Even just that idea, well, what if God? Are you okay with this? What if? What if this is what God desires to do? How? Are you okay with that? Like, oh my gosh, I don't know that I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a, it's a painful process of submitting. It was painful for me at least. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that God took me through that journey because of just how he's increased my faith because of it. So just as a, an example, an anecdotal example, I suppose, of, of, of submission, uh, I guess in a way to empathize yeah. that it is hard, it's hard to do, yeah. but to say, hey, it's good, like it's good, like it actually... Like, I'm grateful. Yeah. I'm grateful for it. I think it's a great example because you read those verses at one point in your life and said, I just can't see how this fits with the rest of it. And over the process of desiring God <laughs> to answer those questions for you and, and submitting to him the ability to say these things and for them to be true, along with all of the other things that he said, uh, you found... That, you, that, that he is greater in your eyes than he even was before. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, fam, the listeners whom we love and are so grateful for your listenership, for joining us, that's our six ways to deconstruct your faith. And it was, um, that was just kind of an exercise, really, for us to go through um, as... As I've been starting to see more and more um, a, a, com- a commonality um, mm-hmm. just in, in people around, people in, in, on platforms, and people just in uh, kind of in distant circles in my own life. So, um, And I might say, maybe you have too. Uh, maybe any of the people listening to this might have seen some sort of parallel with someone in their life who is heading down a path very similar to the ones that we just laid out. Maybe you are yourself, and maybe that has caused you to have questions. As you're listening to us, you've grabbed onto some things and said, wow, uh, I'd like to hear more about this. Hey, we're here, <laughs> and we're enjoying this, and we really do want to open it up um, to 
the conversational place that we can have with our audience. Uh, we, a few episodes ago, had a question um, that we answered, and today we have another mailbag question. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. So from this listener, and we will also keep this name anonymous, you can always let us know if you want your name to remain anonymous, by the way. So we'll keep this one uh, that way. Here's the question. Paul says that for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. That's Romans 1.20. So, so Paul says that God's invisible qualities have been clearly seen. They're clearly understood. Thus, people are without excuse. That's my paraphrase of, of what I just read there. Is there a scenario then in modern day times for someone who has never heard the name of Jesus to end up spending eternity with him anyways? And that is an astute question. That is an excellent question. For sure. And we're going to uh, attempt to answer it right here. Yeah, I think what's really helpful is to back up a few verses as well. Romans 1 verse 20 says what Andrew just read. In verse 18, it actually, you know, is part of the the start of that argument. Paul actually starts his argument about these people who are living today, and he's saying all of us, every person who's ever lived and including us, the wrath of God is revealed <laughs> from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. So what are the divine qualities that God has revealed? The wrath of God. Dangerous ones. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there are plenty of other characteristics as well. I I think that God shows himself in in creation in many ways. Yeah, yeah. We could call it natural theology. Yeah, and foremost in, in the creation and the the image of himself that he's placed on human beings. We shouldn't just look at mountains and birds to find out who God is, but we should look at each other. The very image bearers Yeah, we should look at each other to find out who God is. And and what Paul is saying is that that is possible. And in fact, we don't even have an excuse for saying that we don't know who he is because he has planted himself and the image of himself in creation. Yep. So then, is there a scenario where someone who's never heard the name of Jesus could end up spending eternity with him anyways. So I kind of, I lean two ways Mm -hmm. and I lean on both of them. Yeah. So, so it's almost like a two part answer where I guess you could say yes and no. Um, but, but, but what does that even mean? So I, and maybe, maybe, maybe you'll agree, maybe you'll disagree, Zach, but, but I would say, um, I would say that I love that God is a sovereign savior that salvation belongs to the Lord and he will not lose any of uh, Christ. Christ will not lose any of the sheep whom the father has given him. Jesus is a perfect savior. Um, he, he, he will lose, he will lose no one. So there will, God, God will not be in heaven disappointed that dang it, Oh, I really set out to save that person, and it just—it just didn't happen. Dang it! 
And I also really love uh, that he promises to save, to, to keep a people from every tongue and tribe and nation, and, and that, that salvation and the gospel message are for the world, right? Like that John 3.16 idea, it's for the world. We're talking about nations here, tribes. We're talking about, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. That's what we're talking about mm-hmm. when, we're, when we're talking about God so loved the world. Man, this is good news for anyone regardless of et, like ethnicity, meaning mm-hmm. like, like ethnos, like, like where are you on the world? For sure. So to me, that is great hope and makes me say, so I, I, guess, I guess that it, there's a scenario where that could happen because God, God decides. I think salvation yeah. belongs to God. I think right. God gets to God gets to decide, as He's the judge and He's the Savior. Yeah. Um, God gets to decide, and that's where we should really land. Yeah. As well, you know, yeah. I, I I fully respect that as an answer because it is clear to us from Scripture that God doesn't want us judging each other's eternity. He wants us judging each other in order to align ourselves with God's will. Yeah. He wants mm-hmm. you and I to look at each other and to say, hey, uh, I know you know the same things that I do about God, mm-hmm. so why are you acting like that? Yeah. Uh, however, judgment in the eternal sense, whether you are in Christ or out of Christ, that's up to him. Yes. For sure. That's kind of what, that's where the other part of that question is, though or my, excuse me, my answer, I, I kind of described it as a two part. Mm-hmm. There is another side. And, and I, and I answered the way I answered first on purpose, because that's, that's, that's my starting point. And then I would follow by saying there is, there is also, I think, biblical reason to believe that you have assurance of salvation based off of really really God's work alone. And then, and then there's, there's, there's like fruit. Mm-hmm. We're taught to judge a tree by its fruit. Now that's not to say we judge again, as you said, like the, the eternal state of mm-hmm. somebody. And we don't get to know what tomorrow even looks like right. for a person. Right. We don't, we don't know. But the reason that, that we have missionaries, the reason why we bring the gospel to the corners of the earth is because it is essential that we do share the gospel. And so what I would say is I, I don't cling to any sense of assurance that someone who is not a professing believer has salvation, Right. but my assurance still ultimately lies in the sovereign God, not in even my profession of faith. Mm My, my assurance is in a perfect savior. Um, so, so it's, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's as, as like as black and white as maybe we like to, to make it for simplicity reasons. Um, because we're ultimately just, we're trying to answer the judgment of an eternal God. So, um, but we're also not universalists who believe that, um, because Christ died, every single soul goes, goes to heaven. Right. We, we don't believe that. There's scripture why we don't believe that. We'll probably spend some time in that at some point. For sure. Um, but we do believe in a, a perfect Savior. Right, yeah. I think my last comment, just to keep it you know as short as the mailbag should be, is, is to say that 
God has defined what his method is of releasing the good news into the world. Um, He has said, who will preach this message uh, if there's no one preaching it, right? He has said, like, I give you the good news, and your job is to take it and to share it because there will there can't be anyone who hears it if you aren't sharing it. Um, we do have particular roles in what God is desiring to do in bringing his people to himself. Mm-hmm. We live in a place where we don't just get to shirk off that responsibility. There are people around us, you, me, and everybody who need to be recipients of the good news that we bear. We should be sharing it and we must share it and we don't get to, to shrug it off, uh, that our responsibility is that important and that maybe, uh, if we don't go, God will save that person anyways. No, the day of salvation is today and you are a bearer of the message and therefore the people around you are your top priority. However, I'm open to God adding to his ways of saving people. He has defined one for me to follow and for me to get in line with and to enjoy the action of. But if God wants to show up into a, if if Christ wants to show up in the 1400s in a tribe that I've never heard of uh, and save a few people, that's up to him. <laughs> he could do that if he wants to. Yep. My job is still well-defined and uh yeah you know i'm okay with that and and i'm enjoying being a part of his plan yeah awesome well thank you everyone so much for listening Uh, we hope you enjoyed this as much as we did please tune in next week we will um, continue on having just uh i think thoughtful hopefully god glorifying conversations contact us at just a christian podcast at gmail.com you can message us on Instagram as well um, with any questions or, you know, any topics you want us to cover, anything like that. Uh, special thanks to Cool Uncle, also known as uh, Tyler Gannett. That's his real name. Uh, you can find him at Spotify. Cool Uncle, great music. Um, thank you to our wives and, of course, Johnny and Evan.